0: Welcome all to K-Drama School. I'm your host, Grace Jung. Welcome, everybody. Hey, if you have not ordered my book... K-Drama School. i mean, it's so ghetto. I have like a sheet of paper. It's a printout that I got at the library for free. But look, this is the cover of my book, K-Drama School, A Pop Culture Inquiry Into Why We Love Korean Television. And you can pre-order this right now if you have not already pre-ordered this book. You can do so on the HachetteBookGroup.com website, which you could find on KDramaschool.com or you can visit GraceJungComedy.com. The links are there. You can use the code KDrama20 at checkout and get a 20% discount right now. And on the day that the book drops, which is April 23rd this year, that code expires. So you want to do this right now. Okay. And this code applies only for the hardcover books. Exclusions apply. I don't know what other exclusions there are other than that, but it's hardcover books and it's until April 23rd, 2024. So go and pre-order my book right now. Again, the code is KDRAMA20. Folks, what a wonderful day. It is uh, March. Can you believe it? It's March already. Oh my gosh. I can't believe it, but it is. And it's still Pisces season. So if you have birthdays this week or next week, um, happy birthday. Happy birthday to my March Pisces people. I had such a good day today. So at work, I dealt with a couple of people who, you know, initially came off as kind of grumps. And these were like, you know, men, grown men. There was this one guy, he's like a tall guy, like stocky, you know, bald. He had a wife. He's like very masculine. And he was a little grumpy, but he wanted to ride the Batman motorbike. And so I was, like, directing him on the motorbike. And, you know, like, when I'm directing, I, like, make sound effects. And I, like, you know, I amplify my voice. I get very, like, animated and affected. And people like that. They respond to it, like, the way children do. And this guy was cracking up hysterically the whole time and just having a blast and it was to the point where even after the video was done he like got off the bike and he stood up and then he like keeled over and he was like hysterically laughing while his wife was staring at him and it was such a beautiful moment I was just like thank you so much you're helping me a lot right now. (laughs) Like, that's why I do it. You know, it's very satisfying for me to see people have a really good time. That's why I'm a comedian. That's why I'm a performer. That's why I do what I do. I want to see you have the best time ever. Okay. And if you're doubled over laughing your ass off, then I'm just I'm on the moon. All right. I am like on cloud nine. And then there was like this other gentleman, way older, you know, I'm talking like, 70s okay he is like you know one of these old guys who just like doesn't give a shit you know nothing you do will impress him but the moment he got on that bike he was like a transformed little kid just having a blast and he made me laugh hysterically You know, because it was just like so out of left field. I was dying laughing watching this old dude who went from crotchety, silent, mute person to being on this bike and acting like a four-year-old. I'm like, you made my day, so it was good. I love having guests like that. So thank you to those guys. God bless them. And you guys, like you know, I'm I'm in a very um, interesting period at the moment i mean it's interesting to say the word period because like this is just something i'm learning but apparently like when a woman comes off of her period like right right after that that's like when she's the most creative and i think there's something to that because the last couple of days i've been thinking about this book written by jack halberstam Uh, They used to go by Judith Halberstam in the past. They wrote a very influential book called Female Masculinity. And if you're into gender theory, queer gender theory, check out that book, Female Masculinity, Judith Halberstam. But, you know, Judith Halberstam now goes by Jack Halberstam. Uh, They're a queer theorist and they do like, you know. Queer cinema theory, like that kind of work. And I was thinking about their book, Queer Art of Failure. I was thinking about this book over and over and over again. And I think I finally have a sense of direction with where I want to go with my academic book. Because I thought I was putting academia behind me forever, like in the dust. But no, it turns out I'm still interested. I'm still, there's a part of me that's still invested in the academic work. If it is tickling my senses. All right. And the way that is tickling me right now is like through this queer theory, and through the notion of failure, and then through this other notion that I'm going to not talk about right now, but I'm going to start writing about and I'm very excited for it. And that now leads me into talking about the show of the day of the week, which is Captivating the King. Have you seen this show? captivating the king it is really really good it is written by kim sunduk who i i don't know this person kim sunduk is a woman and she's written three other shows besides this all right so she wrote um some like drama special thing like back in 2011 and then she wrote the great king's dream back in 2012 i've never heard of this and then she wrote the crowned clown never heard of that and then she wrote captivating the king 2024 um so yeah i mean She's a good writer it seems like but I haven't I haven't seen her other stuff and sh- her her MO seems to be period pieces okay so this is a period piece it's not based on reality this is like a made up fictional period piece and it's a queer one all right it's it's queer similarly to the way Mr. Queen is queer and it's queer similar to the way uh The King's Affection is queer it's similar to the way that you know all of these like cross-gender, cross gender cross cross dressing, cross gender play, chosen dynasty period pieces tend to be. Like, you know, and I was thinking like, well, why? Why does it have to be a king? You know, like what makes a, a queer king a queer text? And I was thinking, like, it could it could work in two senses, all right? Because first of all, back in the day, and I'm just saying back in the day, like in, in a very generic sense, but like you know, during, like, the Goryeo dynasty, you know, there there used to be, actually, kings that were openly gay. And I'm sure, like, you know, during the Joseon dynasty too, Shila dynasty, like, all of them, all of them. You know, there were always, like, these, like, really gay kings. And there used to be an actual, like, team of soldiers who were dedicated to the king, to protecting the king. But not only that, but they would go and have sex with him. Yeah. Actually, oh, my God, there's a show on Vicky right now. I think it's called... um Korea versus Kitan. Yeah. So there's this like, like there was Korea dynasty. And in the Korea dynasty, the one of the kings of the Korea dynasty, he was like very, very openly gay. And he had like a bunch of like gay Concubines, basically, you know, men who were concubines and they would just like have sex with him, you know, like sing and dance with him. It was like a very queer festival kind of situation. So check out Kuryo versus Kitan if you wanna um I think it's like the Battle of Kuryo and Kitan. Anyway, check it out. It's on Vicky and you you'll see, like again, like this gay king. Like this was like an actual person who reigned during this period. But it's like, why why is it that these period pieces with these kings are very like openly and confidently gay whereas with k-dramas it's it it tends to be very hetero like what's that about except for the bl genre the boy love genre okay that is like like straight on like full-on they're super gay but when it comes to like these mainstream targeted dramas why do they continuously emphasize the hetero part And then if they want to talk about some gay stuff, then it has to be in the context of like ancient past. Why is that? What's progressive about it and what's regressive about it? I think the progressive part. Well, let's talk about the regressive part. Is to say like, well, um, it's like Koreans used to be gay. (laughs) It's like if we talk about gayness back in ancient times, then it's like we're safe enough to talk about it. Oh, it could be looked, uh, looked at in that perspective, from that perspective. And that would still be valid. But it could also be seen in a different way. It's like if we want to turn this into a progressive text for queer people now, you know, like repressed queer, um, queer identifying folks in South Korea or in other parts of the world. If they are watching this and they don't feel supported by their community, they're like watching this gay king be super gay. And it's like he's the king. You know, there's nobody else above him. It's like he's the king and he's being super gay. It's like perhaps that could be a a supportive thing, like a progressive move for the queer community. It could be read that way. So it could go either way. It could go either way. But I want to talk about something a little bit more specific because Captivating the King, first of all, okay, I love Cho jung Suk. I love Cho jung Suk so much. I think he's such a talented actor. Super talented, like this guy. He comes off as gay. I mean, Cho Jung Suk is, gosh, and you know, if you think about it, he's actually a queer icon. Because let's consider this, all right? Cho Jung Suk. He's like he's not tall. He's not particularly handsome. He's a good actor. He's a great actor. He likes to do musicals. All right. He did. Uh, he did Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Yeah, he played Hedwig the the korean musical version yeah so i mean that's like a pretty gay-ass move but he's not gay you know at least in his in his uh um quote-unquote real life like he's married to the singer komi who was a huge diva all right she sang that song you are my everything for descendants of the sun all right like like a class a diva okay and i feel like marrying a diva is a pretty gay-ass move all right if we you Know, think about like Judy Garland, for example. All right, like so many gay men marry Judy Garland. So it's like, All right, are you gay? That doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. Like, regardless of what his actual sexuality may be, all right, he may be like a Tom Cruise sexuality, whatever his sexuality may actually be is a non issue. He is a queer icon to me because A, he's married to Kami, and B, He's a really, like, brilliantly talented actor. C, he likes to do musicals. And D, like, he's an unlikely, a very unlikely male lead. And yet he plays the male lead constantly. Constantly, you know? Because, like I said, he's not, he, he's like a Tom Cruise. He's, he's, like, short, you know? He's short. He's not particularly, like, that, like good-looking. I guess Tom Cruise is, like, okay-looking, but, like, he's not my type. I don't know. Yeah, Jo Jong Suk is just a Tom Cruise sexuality to me, so that makes him a queer icon to me, because Tom Cruise is a very queer icon, as far as I'm concerned. And Jo Jong Suk is playing this king who falls in love with his Ki A Ki is the, um, the king's Padu companion, all right? And Ki is a cross-gender-playing man in but but has a woman's body all right but is like it's basically like a cross-gender male transgender male but in a woman's body okay and Shin Se-kyung is playing the De Ryong, you know playing Kang aka you know Mongu. Mongu is the nickname that the king gives them all right now what's what's queer as hell about that right like when you watch a drag king or a drag queen they have names yes they get their own names like you know like call me this call me that they have their own drag identifying names when a person transitions from one person to another like they will go and adopt a new name Mm -hmm. their their new identity name they will often do that not always but a lot of the times they will and so, Mungu is this queer name given from the king to Kideryong and they adopt it, and then they just they just go with it. And the king never finds out what the name is until like the very very last episode, like literally two seconds before the show's over. That's when they find out. Well, that's when the king finds out. But till then, the whole time, like Kiderjong is known as Mungu, the affectionate name that the king gives to the Kideryong. Mm-hmm. And the king falls in love with the kideryong, like, as a man. And that's something we've been seeing more and more and more in these um, cross-gender play kinds of queer K-dramas set in these past dynasties, chosun Dynasty or Goryeo Dynasty, Shila Dynasty, whatever, in the past, yes? Uh, fictional or not, yeah? And um, I, I feel like that's a pretty queer-ass move, but Here's the queerest thing about this show that I absolutely admired. Again, it has nothing to do with whether or not like they're gay or they're fucking as gay or, you know, smooching as gay. It has nothing to do with that. All right. And more has to do with conformity. Okay. How can we look as queerness as a way to, um, you know, deny, reject status quo, uh, to be defiant against conformity and the status quo we could look at queerness in terms of that realm okay and this is where judith halberstam's book uh the queer art of failure comes in like what is queer about failure well if everybody's so bent hell-bent on success in our capitalist heteronormative society then failure becomes the queer alternative and so it's like go ahead and fail go ahead and fuck up then you're championing the queer language queer world queer theory queer realms you know be queer or you're queering the system by failing by failing and kidyon is queering this notion that you know or or hisu rather let's just go by her female name hisu is queering the notion that she necessarily needs to become queen yeah yeah spoiler alert she doesn't become queen (laughs) she doesn't and yet the king is dedicated to her oh my god this show has so many levels like layers of queerness all right let's let's talk about this other fact so when the king becomes king he becomes king by killing his brother and taking over the throne and by defying his brother's expectation that the brother's son become king like that was the, the the son was supposed to become the heir the king who became king Joongseok's king his nephew was supposed to become king but he didn't do that he did not go by his brother's word he became king himself and then he uh, later adopts the nephew to ensure that the nephew can become king eventually so there's like a blended family kind of situation which is a big no no according to the queen the queen the 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 queen mother the dowager queen she is the one that's all like hell-bent like heteronormative like you know super ambitious like super you know by the book a-type you know she was being all crazy she's like you have to bear a son bear a child la and the king's like i don't wanna <laughs> i don't want it the other thing is the king he doesn't have sex with women so they say so they say all right like he had three years had a wife he had a he had a queen, the first one, the one that dies of illness, conveniently. Okay. He had a wife. He had all these mistresses, all these concubines, were women throwing pussies at him and he's just like, no, thank you. I'm not interested. But why? But why? Like there was no reason for him to not go for it. Why? Because he didn't know that he was in love with Ki in that way. He didn't know that Ki Young was a woman. He didn't know that Ki Young was alive. He thought Ki Young was dead this whole time. So what what? Like he was just mourning Ki or waiting for somebody like that to come back and he's just going to remain chaste. The king is going to stay chaste with all this You need to know something, okay? When a king is king, Every single vagina on that, in that kingdom is his, all right? Like he could see like a servant girl walking, be like, she's cute. Send her to my quarters. He has sex with her and then she becomes a concubine. It's like that. It's that easy. And that's what kings used to do. That was like the uh, benefit of being a king. You could go and like fuck whatever bitch you wanted. That was like the sexist fucked up thing that they did in the past. This show is t- is implying that the king remained Chased (laughs) the the whole three years. Isn't that queer as fucking hell? Isn't that fucking crazy queer? I think so. There's something about the asexuality that he retained through during those three years, showing no interest in pussy all those three years. (laughs) That is queer as hell, right? And then the queen dies conveniently. Now, this kideryong person shows up he finds out that the kid is a woman and then they sleep together yeah but even before then he says to kid i like you like i'm attracted to you i have feelings for you and you know it was just like a thing you know like he was like i'm not like gay for everybody but i'm gay for him oh that's love that's not even queer that's love right there this is fucking love and then he finds out kid is a woman oh he's like okay now i'm gonna bone her so they they fuck (laughs) <laughs> they, they sleep together. And I'm like, all right, you go. Both of you. You deserve this shit. Mm-hmm. Now, in the end, right, there's this moment when the queen dowager is, like, trying to strip Ki dae and saying, like, I want you to, like, become uh, a fucking queen. Like, I knew I knew it. There was something about you that was, like, very, like, you know, androgynous. Like, I knew there was something about you. Now you're going to be my queen. And then um the king is like, stop. No. Like. She's not gonna be my queen. And Kiterong says to the king, like, thank you, because if you had asked me to be queen, I would have left you. And I'm like, oh, what is this about? Yeah. Defying, defying heteronormative expectations, defying kingdom expectations, defying kingdom rule, right? The king is like a full-on blended family. He remains solo and single. As far as we're concerned to this day, he remains solo and single like to to the grave. It, meanwhile, he and Kidyeong like they continue to have this like intimate relationship. Mhm. Um there was a moment uh in the last episode when the king sends uh Hisu like this Box and it contains like a a, a woman's chaguri and like the dress and like the hairpiece you know like like a pretty girl's outfit so there was like a like a pretty woman moment there right like the makeover moment but it was like sent to her you know and you know like she indulges in it and then the two of them like they hang out like hold hands la 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 throw stones you know cook and then they sleep together it's like so so cute okay they had that moment but like in the last episode how does it close? She's right back in the man's outfit. In fact, throughout most of this show, the majority of this show, Shin se character is wearing the dude's outfit, the, the male aristocrat's outfit with the, the head, the cut, and then the, the, the long thing. Like he's dress- She's dressed like a dude. <laughs> and that's how they hang out most of the time. And that's how the ending ends, with the king saying to her, like, I'm committing to you in a man's outfit you know and so i'm i'm admiring not necessarily like oh like you know like the the gay subtext or you know text i'm admiring how this show is using the expression of queer by applying it to canceling out or rejecting status quo norms yeah like no she's not interested in power the king is not interested in power they just want to hang out and play paduk together and bone every once in a while like they're not interested in anything else she never becomes queen there's never an exchange of rings there's never any implication of marriage hello oh my god that's the ultimate queer that's the ultimate queer So I am so on board with Captivating the King. If you have not seen it, I don't know what you're waiting for. Check it out. It's a really good show. It's on Netflix. And oh my God, Shin Se-kyung. Oh my God, your acting girl. It has gotten so good over the years. Like Shin Se-kyung has been a child actress like all her life. And she sucked. Most of the time (laughs) she sucked. But in the last, you know, few years she's gotten better. And in Captivating the King, dude, she kills it. Nails it. Shin Se-kyung, you are my hero. Keep on kicking ass. The show's really good. Check it out if you have not seen it. And again, if you have not ordered my book, K-Drama School, a pop culture inquiry into why we love Korean television, please do so and use the promo code KDrama20 at checkout.